Welcome to PwC's Tax Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Readiness Webcast Series, held on October 1, 2019, Section 451 Proposed Regulations, Advanced Payments Under New Section 451C and Method Changes. The panelists for the webcast were George Manusos, a partner in PwC's Federal Tax Services Practice, Christopher Call, a principal in PwC's Federal Tax Practice, Jason Black, a director in PwC's Federal Tax Services Practice, and Kate Abdu, a director in PwC's Federal Tax Services Practice. This excerpt consists of discussions of advanced payments and accounting method changes now that 451c regs have been published. Have a listen. Kate, we're going to go over to you. We've gone through all the rules, effective date. So now how do I get to where I want to be from the method change procedures? Can you help us walk through that, sure, please? Sure, sure. So as part of the um, issuance of the proposed regulations, the IRS also came out with RevProc 2019-37. So this generally allows taxpayers to use the automatic method change procedures to make a method change under uh, 451B and C. So one thing I want to note here is we have had an automatic method change to adopt 451B, right, under RevProc 2018-60. So this is not a totally new um, concept, but it's more, I would call it an expansion on 2018-60. So now in addition to be able, being able to make an automatic method change to apply the statute if you want to take that route, um, you can also make an automatic method change to um, allocate transaction price in accordance with Section 451B4. So just one thing to note here is that that will not apply in the same year that you're adopting 606. If you're adopting 606, let's say for 2018, and you need to make a change to follow your book allocation of transaction price, presumably you would do that under the automatic 606 method change that exists. Um, Additionally, 2019-37 also provides the um, ability to make automatic method changes to comply with either the proposed B regulations or the proposed C regulations or both. Uh, taxpayers without an AFS can also change under this RevProc to comply with the non-AFS deferral method under uh, the Dash 8 proposed regulations. So what is not included in 2019-37? So the RevProc does not include method changes to, to adopt a method that's consistent with ASC 606. Again, there is an automatic method change under 2018-29 to apply um, or adopt methods that are consistent with ASC 606 for purposes of allocating transa transaction price among performance obligations for purposes of identifying performance obligations or for purposes of uh, considering performance obligations satisfied, that would be under the automatic 606 method change. Um, if you have a special method of accounting, so for instance, a 460 method of accounting or you have rental agreements under section 467, changes with respect to those types of, um, of income are gonna be outside of this automatic method change. So you may have another automatic method change that could apply or it could be a non-automatic method change, um, but you can't make that method change under this RevProc. And then if you, are, if you don't have an AFS and you're wanting to apply that one-year deferral method under Dash 8, um, you will not be able to make the method change if you're determining that your income is earned either using a statistical basis, a straight line basis, or another basis that the IRS approves. So one quick thing I wanna note here is that 
like you mentioned, you can continue to rely on 0434. And um, strangely enough, the automatic method change to go to an 0434 deferral method for non-AFS taxpayers includes uh, taxpayers that are going to determine that income is earned using a straight line rateable basis. So if you're in that bucket, and it may be a fairly narrow group of taxpayers, but if you are in that bucket, that might be one reason that you want to continue to rely on 0434, even though the rules are very similar now. Um, and then if you have specified fees, which we went over on our 451B webcast, changes for specified fees are not included in the automatic procedures. Um, the RevProc also provides streamlined procedures. So when we say streamlined, we mean you do not have to file a Form 3115 to make the change. Um, so this is available to taxpayers that are either considered small business taxpayers because they meet the $25 million gross receipts test, or taxpayers that have a zero Section 481A adjustment. So note that this is an or test here. So you could be a large taxpayer, a large business taxpayer, but if you have a zero 481A adjustment for your changes um, under the RevProc, you could make those changes using the streamlined procedures. However, you don't get audit protection if you use the streamlined procedures. So if audit protection is something that you're wanting, you do want to make sure to file that Form 3115. Um, and then taxpayers without an AFS can also use the streamlined procedures um, to comply with, again, the 451C proposed regs to use that non-AFS deferral method. Thank you, Kate. Jason, let me ask you a question. If I am on a Dash 34 method right now, and I'm allowed to continue that on, so I don't do anything right now, I just chug right through 2018 and continue on, regulations are finalized in 2020, effective 2021. Let's say that the final regulations allow me to continue exactly what I'm doing, but it's under a final Dash 8 reg, no longer under Dash 34, because Dash 34 will be obsoleted once these regs are finalized. If I have the exact same method, exact same results, do I need to file a 3115 going into my 2021 year? I think the first question we would ask, is there a change in timing between using the 2004-34 method versus these final regulations. And if there's not a change in time and timing, arguably there is no method change. But if 0434 is obsoleted, then query how you kind of tell the government that you've changed the final regs under 451-8. So I, I think probably better safe than sorry, we would expect probably there to be a method change to, to put a stake in the ground and say that you've, you've fully adopted the, the final regs. However, maybe the government will provide us a streamlined procedure similar, similar to like what Kate went through uh, previously, where we maybe just do a statement or, or something along those lines where, where it's not a whole 3115 to comply. Right. Well, and I think when 0434 was issued, they did include language saying, you know, if you've already been applying a one-year deferral method, you know, we're not going right. to challenge that now. So to it's totally possible, yeah. right, that they could do something similar. But right. as it's written right now, it seems like you may need a method change yeah. if once the regs are finalized. And contrast that when we had the finalization of the repairs regulations, right? When those went final, if my method under old law was the same under new law, many folks said I don't need a method change, even though folks in the government were saying everybody in America needs a method change. So I think you have to use a little bit of discretion, yeah. right? What's the government gonna do, I guess, at the end of the day, if I don't file a method change, they could arguably put me on current inclusion. I think to your point, Jason, better to be safe than sorry in the absence of any direct guidance on what we need to do here. All right, Jason, uh, let me, Hand it back to you. Kate went through the method change procedures in terms of 3115s. Can you walk us through and close out with all the particulars of method change, audit protection, four-year spreads, for a 41A adjustment spreads, I should say? Yep. 
So there are some simplifying conventions for taxpayers that either want to implement a their method changes on with a full catch-up adjustment under 40, 41A or if they want to do it cut off, but it's only available for, for certain types of, of changes. So taxpayers with an AFS uh, where they're changing to the modified all events test under Section 451B or to comply with the proposed Section 451B regulations if they are also concurrently changing to the ASC 606 method. So you can do either cut off or, or 41A with that as long as you're also making the ASC 606 method change, which is also available on a cutoff or uh, 481A adjustment basis. And also to comply with the Section 451C proposed regulations, you can also apply that either on a 41A adjustment basis or cutoff. Um, important to note, any transactions between members of a consolidated group uh, do need to be accounted for on their cutoff basis uh, for these intercompany transactions, and there is no 41A adjustment or spread period on these. Um, you may not use the cutoff method if you are filing under the streamlined procedures that Kate went through uh, where you have a change with a zero Section 481A adjustment. And then for the specified credit card fees for the first tax year uh, beginning after December 31st, 2018, a six-year uh, 41A adjustment spread period will be uh, provided for those taxpayers, and that was statutorily uh, provided. So... Next point is about the five-year rule. So the five-year rule generally states that a, a taxpayer cannot file a method change for the same item if they've changed for that item in the past five years. Uh, so luckily, uh, government has waived uh, the five-year rule generally for all 451B and 451C method changes uh, for the first, second, or third tax year beginning after December 31st, uh, 2017. In the case of specified credit card Fees, there's a, a delayed applicability date, so you just push that out one more year, and so it's the first, second, and third tax year beginning after December 31st, 2018. Um, so it is also, the five-year rule is also waived for the first tax year beginning after December 31st, 2017 for a taxpayer with an AFS using the streamlined procedures to change to the Section 451B modified all events test or to allocate transaction price under Section 451B if not adopting ASC 606 in the same tax year. And then finally, uh, it's waived for the first or second tax years beginning after December 31st, 2017 for a taxpayer using the streamlined procedures to either change the method to comply with Section 451B or Section 451C proposed regulations if you have an AFS, or to comply with Section 451C proposed regulations if you do not have an AFS. Very complex rules here. <laughs> I would note the five-year rule is waived for three years, right? So arguably, you could be deferral for 2018, current inclusion for 2019 automatically, back to deferral for 2020. So if folks have a need for current taxable income to increase taxable income or defer, you do have the ability to go back and forth for a couple of years here until the regulations are finalized. That's right. And then finally, audit protection. Um, so the general rule is when you file a Form 3115 with the government, you get auto protection for all your open years if you're not under exam when you file. There's then an exception to this rule that says if you're under exam while you file, you don't get auto protection unless you meet one of the narrow, uh, one of the six exceptions that's set forth in RevProc 2015-13. So any of our uh, companies that are under exam would generally be precluded from auto protection if they don't fall within one of those limited exceptions. Um, so in addition to waiving the, the five-year eligibility rule, the government also allows taxpayers to get audit protection 
uh, for changes to comply with the 451B or Section 451C proposed regulations for the first, second, or third tax year beginning after December 31st, 17. Important to note that this does not apply to taxpayers that are changing to a reasonable interpretation of the statute under Section 451B or a reasonable interpretation of the statute under 451C or to taxpayers changing to RevProc 2004-34. It's only limited to taxpayers that are planning to adopt these proposed regulations. Um, again, there's an exception to the exception to the exception uh, and that the limitation will still apply if a method is an issue under consideration. So if the IRS has has noted that they are looking at an item uh, of, of gross income in your in your, in your return for an open year and they are, are they're looking into it and they think they might propose an adjustment then you do not get audit protection you can't take an issue away from the government uh, under this uh, this audit protection waiver and then finally while you do get audit protection generally you're going to still need to look to the audit protection exceptions and to, to determine whether you get a spread period of four years or two years. So the general rule when you file under exam without auto protection is you have to take a positive Section 41A adjustment into account over two years. Um, however, if you file your method change while under exam and get auto protection, you generally continue to get the four-year spread. So you're still going to have to determine, even if you do get auto protection, still need to figure out, do I get a two- or a four-year spread on positive adjustments? And then a similar rule applies, again, push it out one more year uh, for the first, second, or third tax year beginning after December 30, 31st, 2018 for changes under the Section 451B proposed regulations for specified credit card fees. So the same exact rules apply as above, just a year later. Um, and then important to note, you do not get audit protection for any changes under the streamlined procedures, which Kate already mentioned. So bottom line, end of the day, basically the same audit protection rules that we've always had um, some waivers, some scope limitations and the like, but as long as it's not an issue under consideration, as long as 451 B or C is not being raised by the IRS right now, I should be eligible for audit protection at the end of the day. Assuming you're going to the proposed regs. If I'm going to the proposed regs, yeah. exactly right. All right, thank you, Jason. Let me ask each of you to give a minute or so on a key takeaway. Jason, let me start with you, please. So I think a key takeaway is that we've noted that these regulations are likely not going to be effective until the 2021 tax year for calendar year taxpayers. So there's going to have to be a position taken on a 2018 return, a 2019 return, and a 2020 return. And you're going to have to pick which horse you want to go with. And when the final regulations ultimately come out, you're going to have to go back, revisit those regs, and see if the, the interpretations you've taken on your returns for those three years comply with these final regs and need to look at whether another method change may be necessary at that point in time. Topher. Totally agree. Um, and there's so many options on the table here. It would be a mistake to not proactively consider your options here at this juncture. Now that we have proposed regulations, we have 2004-34, we have the statute, um, uh, everybody needs to be thinking about exactly what they're going to do. The numbers are so big in this space. And then I would also echo the fact that um, financial statement treatment, more than ever, it's paramount to understand for tax purposes what's happening for financial statement purposes and how amounts are being treated on the financial statements. Okay. And I would just say that, you know, we know that the DASH, uh, both the DASH 3 and the DASH 8 proposed regulations do not provide for a cost of goods sold offset, but the DASH 8 regulations do provide a carve out for specified goods. Um, the government's received numerous comments asking for a cost of goods sold offset, asking for specified good carve out. Um, and so it's, it's po very possible that the final regulations will provide some relief in these areas. I mean, the, the 
proposed regulations ask for comments on cost of goods sold, ask for comments related to the specified goods carve-out. So um, maybe we'll see an expansion of the definition of specified goods, or perhaps we'll even see uh, a relief in the cost of goods sold area allowing for that cost of goods sold offset. So I would just say mm -hmm. stay tuned and see how the final regulations come out in those areas. Or comment on one of those areas. Or, or <laughs> comment. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's how right. it's really, you know... That's how it works. I mean, they're, George, ask, you've been they're there. asking for it. They're you, asking for you have to have so. making decisions like this, big decisions like this, in the absence of information is really hard. Right. And so, the more people that are willing to comment, the better. I would say. Yeah. Yep. And I'll, we got a couple minutes here. I'll add in two more other takeaways. One is I say it over and over. I'll say it one more time. Tax accounting has to link up with financial accounting to understand what's going through that book revenue account. And on your other key takeaway. Um, there's a lot of flexibility here. Kate and I, we were on a call earlier today where a taxpayer wanted a cutoff for their 451 changes because it would somehow impact their beat computation, right? You got to think outside the box and how does all of this, if I do a four-year spread of a big number or do a cutoff and recognize it all, say, in 2018, how does that model out and impact your taxable income, your cash flow, if it has impacts for other tax, amount, uh, other tax attributes as well? So like anything else these days, it's a big modeling exercise, but these regulations do have a lot of flexibility in them. Topher, as you mentioned, big, big numbers here, yep. big accelerations yep. Yep. of income. Huge. So we're going to have a lot of increases to taxable income over the coming couple of years here with 41A adjustments. Model out whether or not you want current inclusion or whether or not you want that four-year spread. Most people will default and say, add back to taxable income. Of course, I want a four-year spread. But there may be situations where you want to include it all in one year figure out whether or not you want that because we do have the ability, I think, to try and get to that position. Thank you very much for joining us today. Bye-bye.